across the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and also another writing of his called the Emerald Tablet Singular of Hermes. Uh, and between reading these two uh, ancient works, I realized there was a lot of esoteric knowledge and wisdom in here that other scholars had discovered, even like Sir Isaac Newton and Roger Bacon and, and the Queen of Sheba, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, many famous people had come across this, but they only focused on the esoteric wisdom, which is what really grabbed me at first. But then I started noticing things like advanced technology, ships that fly in not only above land, but also into space where planets disappear according to their descriptions. I started noticing weaponry, uh, and I started noticing different types of quantum mechanics and quantum physics that George Lucas literally had access to these tablets and these ancient writings, and he, he took that storyline and turned it into a movie. Because if you read the Terra papers, you get the almost the identical story of Star Wars, with the exception of some of the love story and some of the drama, you know, that was in Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, fusion. But you get the basic story, and you have all of these. You have the Empire, and you have, you know, the Republic, and you have this this galactic war going on with all these different beings. And even the Terra papers tell you how all these beings even came to be, different types of humanoids around the entire galaxy. to share with you Tetragen, which helps you transition to a healthier, happier, and thinner you without cravings or side effects. Our metabolic hormones are the underlying problem that doom every diet and exercise program to fail. They control our metabolism, cravings, how much we eat to feel satiated, blood sugar levels, and even our energy levels. Tetragen is formulated with four clinically proven patented ingredients that help rebalance your metabolic hormones in roughly 15 to 20 days, depending on the amount of weight you want to lose. Once your metabolic hormones are rebalanced, you'll be on the path of long-term sustainable weight loss because Tetragen is the first in the world which is scientifically formulated with four clinically proven and patented active ingredients to help you reach your targeted weight in two distinct phases. Phase one, rebalance your metabolic hormones, and phase two, accelerate fat loss. The best part is that Tetragen comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose besides weight? Learn more with the link below. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a really incredibly interesting person coming to the program. His name is Billy Carson. I think he is going to be famous. I mean, he's already famous, but he's going to be really famous if he sticks to his, uh, what he's doing. He is so interesting and I am just, so, we are blessed to be able to have him come to the show and just talk about what he's learning about ancient texts. He has a book called The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets and he says he's read those 180 times and he keeps reading them. He's, he's just learning and learning until he understands them completely. Or, yeah, I don't know if you can ever understand something completely, but he really wants to, in the book he has, and he explains it, 
where he's really explaining what is in these tablets and these he talks about these ancient, you know, the ancient Sumerian tablets, and he talks about these papers and the Star Wars saga. I mean, just it is absolutely fascinating. And people who've seen the Mario Biglino interviews that I've done, where he's the Vatican translator and he's translated a lot of books for the Vatican, it really ties into that. And he ties it across all of different civilizations through history and how they had high technology 450,000 years ago and how it's all documented and how that ties into the Bible. And and so for people who are really um, strong followers of the Bible, um, it might, I, I'm just saying, please give it, uh, please give it time and, and, and an open mind to at least hear what he has to say. This is not meant to be, he talks about Jesus being this loving, beautiful character and how that ties back. So it it's it really supports the messages of Jesus being beautiful and, and how that's so helpful and science proving that love is the strongest uh, force in, in the universe and how that all ties back together. Absolutely fascinating. One thing that I find as really great, and I'm gonna share this with my kids, is he's doing music that can resonate with kids and it's made the top, uh, the billboard top charts in like four different categories and he's he's doing it at a different frequency so kids can learn it's all positive rap music and things you got to listen to him it's, it's fascinating and then he stays after for my patrons to talk about the bloodlines of every single president in our country and where it came from that's for my patrons and you can get that below at the link. And I also want to tell you that I have a lot more stuff on my shop, which helps this independent journalist here stay going. And I have things that are great for Christmas. Things that are under $50 that can make good Christmas presents. I have free offers also on my website. I have a free ebook that you can get. And I have this uh, free little pearl blade thing, stiletto blade, that you, it, you have to pay for shipping. It's $5.95 for shipping, but you get the blade for free. And as I find more interesting things like that, I'll put it on. But there's also really great gift ideas, and it, it helps us independent journalists. And so does Patreon. And thank you so much for being my patrons. I want to give you more value than what you're paying. And so for those of you, there are discount codes that are available for my patrons. Um, you can get those. Now I have a section. So if you're a patron, you can see all the eBooks and you can see the discount codes I do have up there right now. Of course, there's a lot of interviews that are exclusive. I don't have sections yet for that, but the eBooks and the discounts I do. So get that um, link below to my shop and to become a patron. And I want to let you know that this is a two-part interview. Hopefully, you'll get uh, the opportunity to watch both parts. It's super fascinating. So let's get to my interview with Billy Carson. Billy, thank you so much for joining the program. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm so excited about the opportunity to come on your network and talk to the people out there and let them hear what I have to say. Well, I watched the show and I had multiple listeners send me a link of your show and I watched it and it had to be one of the most interesting things I've seen in a while. And I was, you know, with all the, I deal with difficult subjects and I also, I deal with the edge of change and what's going on and I was like, oh, it's a show I needed to see. It was just so cool and refreshing and I learned stuff from it. But you have, um, and so I want to get into that and the topics that you cover. Mm -hmm. You have a book called out called The Continuum of the Emerald Tablets. Can you explain mm -hmm. 
what the book is about and how it wow. has grabbed so many people. Yeah. Well, the book is The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. And what I did was, I would say probably about now seven years ago, I came across the Emerald Tablets of Thoth and also another writing of his called The Emerald Tablet, singular, of Hermes. Uh, and between reading these two uh, ancient works, I realized there was a lot of esoteric knowledge and wisdom in here that other scholars had discovered, even like Sir Isaac Newton and Roger Bacon and, and the Queen of Sheba, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, many famous people had come across this, but they only focused on the esoteric wisdom, which is what really grabbed me at first. But then I started noticing things like advanced technology, ships that fly in not only above land, but also into space where planets disappear according to their descriptions. I started noticing weaponry, uh, and I started noticing different types of quantum mechanics and quantum physics. And I said, wow, this is amazing. So I started talking to people about the animal tablets and they were more, uh, you know, directed towards or, or gravitating towards the uh, esoteric information and still weren't really understanding all of it. But then when I started telling them about what I started discovering in there and breaking it down, they started going, wow. And that's when I realized, you know what, I should do a book about this. So that's what a compendium is. A compendium is when you take a massive amount of information and you break it down in a way where the average person can understand it. And, you, and so I, what I've done is I've taken the animal tablets and I stop you as you're reading and I break it down so that you don't have to go too far to realize what you just read. You st I stop you and then I go, OK, this is exactly what's happening here. And then we proceed on. So you're reading the tablets and getting a complete commentary on it at the same time. And I even show pictures and I correlate science to science, great science articles on physics.org and peer-reviewed papers, comparing it with the actual writings in the tablets. And then I even break down religious texts and where they got a lot of their information from. For example, even in the modern-day Bible, where Yeshua is speaking in the New Testament, is all identically uh, copied from the uh, Emerald Tablets of Thoth, written 36,000 years ago. Yeah, that is just so incredible. And one of the things yeah. that, well, there's a lot of things that you said that was incredible that I wanted you to dive into a little bit more. But I think this will be interesting for people. The Star Wars saga was really based mm -hmm. on these papers and tablets that you found. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's really amazing. Uh, the more that I dug into the Sumerian tablets, the Mahabharata, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, um, the Indian Vedas, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, and the uh, Egyptian book of going forth by day, I began to realize, and the Terra papers, which is really the most, the majority of the information, that George Lucas literally had access to these tablets and these ancient writings. And he, he took that storyline and turned it into a movie. Because if you read the Terra papers, you get the almost the identical story of Star Wars, with the exception of some of the love stories and some of the drama, you know, that was in Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, fusion. But you get the basic story and you have all of these, you have the empire and you have, you know, the republic and you have this, this galactic war going on with all these different beings. And even the Terra Papers tells you how all these beings even came to be different types of humanoids around the entire galaxy. Uh, so it's really an amazing piece of work. And but it reads just like and it's it's thousands of years old. But so what's happened is, you know, George Lucas, you know, obviously he read this. I mean, it's very clear. And, uh, and he turned it into a movie. I mean, hats off to him. I mean, nobody else knew it existed, and very few people did except for the indigenous uh, Native Americans. So that's who kept the uh, history of this, this this record of this terror papers. And he turned it into a multi-billion dollar uh, movie. Yeah. You know? Well, it's that interesting. And 
Now, yeah. you um, you found these papers and you you rediscovered them just like he did. Now, everybody can do that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it's magic and it's not made up. They can look at these papers themselves. Yeah. Where did you get access to this? The Terra papers have been brought forward by a lot of uh, indigenous Native American elders. Uh, one in particular, Robert Morningsky, who's been lecturing about them for decades now. He doesn't lecture as much anymore because he's a lot older now. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago, he was on the on a lecture route and he was talking about the uh, the Terra papers quite often. There have been now uh, copies of the Terra papers put online. You can just Google Terra papers, T-E-R-R-A papers. And you can then uh, check out a copy of the of the Terra papers, which are you can just read them like you're reading a book now. Uh, and also on YouTube, there's quite a few YouTube channels that have now uh, published the Terra papers and they read them for you. So it's almost like an audio book. So you can listen to it now as well. You don't have to worry about just reading it. So they're real documents. They're real ancient records kept by the uh, ancient uh, Native indigenous Americans, the original people here on this land. Uh, and it's real. You know, it's, it's really amazing. It's an amazing epic because it, what I like about it, it talks about the formation of hominids around the entire galaxy and all these sentient hominids that develop the ability to travel into space all have something similar. We all usually have forward-facing eyes. Uh, we're bilateral and bipedal organisms. In other words, you can, we can stand up and you can cut us in half and you get two equal sides. Uh, so it's just really amazing. It's, uh, and, and, and it talks about reptilian, insectoid, uh, you know, what we look like, homo sapiens style, just various different hominids around the galaxy and how uh, they've risen to become spacefaring races, but then also, again, began to go to war against each other. Yeah. Well, and you talk about it starting 450,000 years ago, which is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, where did yeah. you get that information and what, you know, what did you learn about that? Yeah. Well, now you're now you're referencing the Sumerian tablets, which keep a very uh, incredible record of uh, of the invasion, so to speak, of the Anunnaki to this planet. They came here about 450,000 years ago. This is according to the Enuma Elisha and the Seven Tablets of Creation, and also in the Atraasis epic. Both are uh, ancient Sumerian stone tablets written in cuneiform writing that date back. Uh, tens of, you know, in my opinion, tens of thousands of years and they were recopied. The more recent ones are estimating to be around six to 8,000 years old. Uh, Zachariah Sitchin wrote books about uh, these tablets. He didn't decipher any of these tablets. He just copied what was, he just used what was already deciphered long before he was even born. So he didn't even have to decipher them. They were already deciphered by many scholars. And he just wrote books about what he already had found. Uh, but in there, there's a record and account of not only them coming here, but even prior to them coming here, it talks about the formation of our actual solar system. Uh, and it talks about how there was a collision with a captured planet that orbited a brown dwarf star that crashed into a planet named Tiamat, which is now uh, the asteroid belt. Uh, and But a huge chunk of Tiamat swept away and gravitationally locked into the orbit that we are now, recoalesced with all of its water and organic material. And that's where the Earth came from. The Earth wasn't here at the time. Uh, and then it even talks about we gravitationally pulled the, their, the, the, one of the moons of this Tiamat with us as this big chunk swung away. The rest of it became the asteroid belt. Uh, and Mars, which was also a moon of this Tiamat, swung out and was released into its own very strange orbit. 
That's why Mars is a very, very weird orbit around the sun. And at, at, at its furthest point, it's about 180 million miles away. And at its closest, it's only like 40 million miles away. So every two years, it reaches this very oblong orbit where it's very, uh, it's very good timing to, to do a mission to go to Mars every two years because it's very close. You can get there in three months now versus, you know, years. Uh, so it's a very interesting story, but it's all etched into stone. The Enuma Elish and the seven tablets of creation make most of the Old Testament of the modern day Bible. That's where the full stories come from, including separating the waters from the waters and uh, and the formation of the earth is really um, uh, a allegory that's described in the Enuma Elish in the way that the earth was a big chunk that was swung away from this other massive planet. We gravitationally took the moon with it. Uh, also, part of the Old Testament is the Atraasis epic, <clears throat> and um, and also uh, some of the Mahabharata. Uh, they really just piecemealed a lot of information from various different sources, and of course, the Emerald Tablets, because the Emerald Tablets, the opening verse talks about the Great Flood. Uh, and the key thing about this is Thoth says that my mission is to go raise mankind back to a level, high level of civilization. So that means prior to the flood, just as we already know by looking at the Sumerian kings list, which is an antediluvial kings list, Earth had already had high levels of civilization on it prior to the flood. Uh, and so Thoth starts off with the Emerald Tablets as the flood now waters are receding, and he's going back to bring mankind back to a higher level of civilization around the entire planet. He starts off in the land of Kem, which is known as ancient Egypt first. Uh, so it's really an amazing story. Now, do... In any of your findings, do we figure out what caused the flood? That's a very interesting thing. Now, so far, I cannot find a specific cause or reason for the flood. So it's left up to kind of interpretation. Some people kind of theorize that it might have been a war that occurred that caused this flood. Some people theorize that it was uh, it was done on purpose, like a captured asteroid or comet was targeted towards Earth on purpose to wipe out mankind by Enlil who was um, the son of Anu and the brother of Enki. Uh, and also some people theorize it was just a, a natural occurring geological disaster that happened. And because of that, uh, the Anunnaki people, uh, they were able to technologically to survive it because they were able to go into their skyship because there's some accounts of them watching the flood <clears throat> go over the land from space. Uh, and they even, um, according to some records, they were even like um, sorrowful that their creation had been destroyed. So if you direct something at a place to destroy them on purpose, why would you then be sorrowful or woeful that it actually was destroyed? So I'm kind of in between. I really don't know. But, I, you know, obviously it did happen. There's, there's records of it around the entire planet. And it is spoken about in the tablets. But the specifics of how it happened are not spoken about. Well, didn't they argue on whether they wanted to save the human race or let them peril? Yes. Now, they knew that the flood was going to occur because of some geological disaster pending, whether they were going to trigger it or not. But there was some talk as to, you know, should we uh, save mankind? Should we warn them? Should we allow other people to be saved? Uh, and there was a big battle about this. Enlil, who was more of the evil one, he just wanted to everybody to be wiped away and start fresh and rebuild all the kingdoms and, re, re, you know, re-genetically modify humans again and everything else. Enki, because he already had made it with humans and had some half-human, half-Anunnaki children down there, he was like, wait a minute, I got to do something about this. So Noah was actually his his son. Yeah, he was a demigod. Noah was not, uh, not all 100% human. And you can read in the accounts of Noah that when he was born, 
the family members were dark skinned. He came out with this uh, albino type colored skin. And uh, he was like, and his eyes were different and his hair was different. So he was obviously uh, not, uh, you know, not the normal child. He decided to give Noah some some secret information so that he could survive this flood and told him to build a submersible. Uh, uh, it was actually a circular uh, ship. It wasn't a regular boat like it was talked about in the Bible. And he also collected samples of the local uh, uh, herbs and, and plants and animals, which I believe that there was probably some type of a DNA bank. Yeah, that's what makes more sense. Now, when they say albino, could, I mean, am, you know, if you think of brown skin, maybe I would be considered albino in the way they described it. So maybe it was just a lighter colored yeah. person. It could have been a lighter colored person because they didn't describe as pale, just as uh, the descriptions read a couple different ways, but it's more like bright skin, light skinned. Um, and uh, in some cases there were blue eyes, like some of the Anunnaki had dark skin, some of them had light skin, and most of them had light eyes. Some of them had red hair, some of them had blonde hair. Uh, you know, so that the, what our perception is of different races, how you see, I see you as a Caucasian, you see me as an African-American. Um, to me, the Anunnaki were a multiracial species and where uh, a dark-skinned Anunnaki person probably had blue eyes and blonde hair. And we're seeing, we're experiencing it different as what we call a, a homo sapiens sapien on, on the planet, the way that we're set up, you know, genetically. But I believe that their genetics were a little bit different than ours and they were, they were more mixed up. Uh, a, a white, uh, or you know, a, or a light-skinned Anunnaki person could have, uh, you know, features of an African, but have, have Caucasian, you know, type skin. Uh, and this is kind of evident in a lot of the um, Egyptian motif. You can look at the, uh, the Great Sphinx, for example. The face of the Sphinx is obviously has African features, uh, but it's very possible that that could have been a dark-skinned person or it could have been a light-skinned person. You know, we, we specifically don't exactly know. There are some accounts even of these Anunnaki beings mating with people or taking on wives from, uh, uh, like, this one account of it from another planet. <laughs> I mean, so... We're talking about a complete mix. And then in the Emerald Tablets, where Thoth tells his crew members to spread around the entire planet and duplicate what they did in the land of Kim to you know, rekindle, rekindle civilization, they then go around to all these different parts of the planet. And I believe that they genetically put a marker on the Homo sapiens. In other words, this is where we got Asian, Caucasian, uh, African, we already know where they established in the land of Kim, uh, indigenous red-skinned men. So... I think that they put like how you brand cattle. They genetically gave us a 2% variance, which is what it really is in biology, in race. Uh, and that was kind of like their brand. These are my people. These are my people over here. These are my people over here. And they ruled over us and they, they duplicated the civilizations uh, that they found in the land. That's why you find pyramids and, and these great uh, megalithic structures all around the planet. Because Thoth told them to go and duplicate it, but they branded the people by genetically modifying them and giving them a specific race. These like, you know, these are my people type thing. And all those people would worship them as a as their god. You know, it was really interesting. Now, did is there indication that they actually well, we talked about there being a fight about whether they should let us peril, you know, die or not. But did they care about us or did they see us as cattle? Some saw us as cattle, the majority of saw us as cattle, and some saw us as, you know, people that they actually ended up falling in love with and caring about and having empathy for Enki, Thoth, those two were in particular, they really loved humans, were really uh, concerned about humans. They had, you know, had human uh, wives and everything else, had babies from humans and so forth. So they were really, uh, uh, you know, 
had a lot of empathy for mankind and wanted to help and help mankind reach another level. Enki, uh, Enki's brother and Lil got very mad at Enki because Enki added a little bit of extra when he put the, when he did the genetic modification. Enlil found out about this later and discovered that mankind is not just an animal the way that Enki had explained he was going to create us to be just this slave working animal that he really gave us an extra piece of essence in us genetically that can allow us to even supersede the Anunnaki themselves. And when Enlil found out about this, he became really enraged about it. Now, that's all documented in the, in the tablets? Yeah, yeah. This is in the wow, Sumerian tablets. Okay. So yeah. what did they give us that made us bad or capable of bypassing them? Well, it's the, uh, they call it the essence. And so to me, that means some type of a genetic uh, DNA or some type of a chromosome, whatever they, whatever they did when they genetically did the modification. Uh, you know, when they, what they did initially was they took, to get the Homo sapiens sapien, uh, they took an egg, they cleaned out some of the genetic material, added some of the Anunnaki genetic material, and then, which, which is in modern science we call a zygote, they embedded it into the uh, womb of an Anunnaki female who then took it to full term. She actually went 10 full months, then gave birth to what she called the Adamu, which means first man. And there's a famous cylinder scholar for holding the baby up saying, my hands have created it. Uh, so now whatever they did with this essence that they claimed that they add, he added a little extra Maybe it's, uh, you know, the ability for the evolution of DNA to, to map out a certain way. We have found out now that human DNA, 733 petabytes of data, which is an enormous amount of data, uh, and a human body can store literally Googles of data. Uh, and so I'm thinking it has to do with the way that our DNA had been modified to be a storage medium and that we can literally store all the information contained in the entire universe in our body. And I think that's one of the biggest things uh, that they were talking about. And also our ability to, ability to reconnect and reprogram our own DNA, which has now been scientifically proven. You can do a simple task just as saying three positive affirmations per day for 21 days, and you can reprogram DNA just from doing that. So these different things that they gave us and the ability to recognize self, be conscious of self, really um, you know, took away from Enlil's idea of the of this slave race, of being just a bunch of cattle out there doing our work, to people that are sentient, intelligent beings that can elevate, achieve higher levels of consciousness, and, um, you know, potentially, and because we outnumber them, overthrow them. Which is what we want to do now. Now, are they still yes. running our planet? I mean, is there indications based on everything you read that they're still around controlling us now? I believe so. I believe 1,000% that they're still around controlling this planet. Uh, there's a base in Antarctica, which is clear to see. Uh, vessels fly in and out of this 35-meter opening. And when you go to Google's, uh, Google Earth and look down on it, you see it's a um, no-war zone. It's a peace zone. So there you have all of these uh, individual research centers there, and they all have the name of the country that they're from, and it's labeled on Google Earth. And uh, one of the main ones there, of course, is the Rockefeller Foundation. <laughs> um and why that's important is because they've got their hands in everything. And when you look into this ancient uh, pyramid war that happened with Amun-Ra, because he was trying to, who's also known as Marduk in the modern day Bible and also in the Torah. So his name is in modern text as well. He's also in the JewishAmericanLibrary.org and all that. 
But he tried to take over his kingship of the planet early. You're supposed to wait till your procession hits before you can say, okay, now I'm going to take over the, my, my rulership of the planet. He jump-started that and started a war so he can take over early. He wanted to take over uh, Pisces early. Uh, and uh, it kick-started another war, which he had already started one in the beginning, and he started one towards the beginning of the reign. And um, he then escaped through... He, he, he hid inside the Great Pyramid and escaped through a hatch by one of his... His, his employees or one of his workers helped him escape. Uh, but before he did that, he made a decree, and he ordered that his the wealth of the kingdom and the wealth and finances of the planet be left over to the Ra-Kam. So the Ra-Kam, the word K-A-M, translates into shield. So the Ra-Shield had taken over, or was decreed that they would take over the riches and finances of the kingdom. This is, you know, 6,000 years ago. And when you look at the Ra-Shield, who controls the planet till this day? The Ra-Shields. The Rothschilds and the Rockefellers together. Uh, there are some additional texts in that decree that allude to the Rockefeller, and uh, you have to go through a translation to get it exactly right. But it's amazing that there's a correlation between those names that long ago. And, uh, you know, those Rockefellers and, and Rothschilds have been quoted as saying that they feel that they've been given the right to rule over mankind. And they're just going over ancient texts that they already know about exist in their bloodline. Uh, and people well, go, how can they be white? If People have been black. I mean, but everybody's but no, mixed. Their bloodline I mean, is works. so their bloodline is so diluted that they're not any different than any of us anymore. I would think they just think they are. Or, Thank you. yeah, or unless they've been injected with more Anunnaki DNA somehow. But other than that, they're just like us. You know, they just, listen, the the bloodline goes back to um, the. It can be traced back to the pharaohs and then back to the Sumerian kings list and also to the Arabian kings. So when the, you know, Egypt had been overthrown so many times, this is what a lot of people don't understand. Like how come, you know, the big thing is always Egypt was all black. It was all black. It was the land of Cam means the land of the black people. And that's, it, it was black. Those people were the Dogon tribe that actually migrated out of Africa into Mali, Africa, out of Egypt, I'm sorry, into Mali, Africa. And then, but other races had taken over Egypt because uh, Egypt was so nice and, and believe it or not, and, and no army. They, they were all about arts and, and, and all these kind of things. And they didn't focus on wars. For a thousand years, there were no wars. But then when the Assyrians and the Persians and the Arabians, they all were like, we're going to go take this place over. And even the Greeks. And so many times, seven times, they had been taken over by different races of people. And of course, mating and breeding and everything else. And so, you, you you know, you start off one race and you end up a totally different one at the end. And then when the pharaohs, after Alexander the Great was the last one to defeat, they started migrating, the families of these pharaohs started migrating across into uh, Europe. But along the way, mating and taking a very long time to get there, by the time they got to England, that line was mostly uh, Caucasian people. And this is why you see a lot of the Egyptian motif around the monarchy, because it all goes back to ancient history. And they know this. They know the whole, you know, but again, there's so much mating going on. They're just regular people, just like anybody else. They put their pants on one leg at a time, uh, you know, and they're going off. And now what they do have above us is they understand these ancient Egyptian mysteries that have been handed down from generation to generation and how to cast spells on people, how to cast spells on space time, how to cast spells to get the, the agenda that they want to move forward. And how to how to uh, re how to program people through all the different businesses that they own. They understand frequencies and they understand technology and they understand cymatic vibrations. They understand words and how to how to say words in a specific way to cast spells. And they've been expert experts at it. 
And the evidence is that 13 families run over, you know, they control 7.5 billion people. Well, and spells, let's, let's demystify it. Spells is technology that we might not understand, but they, they know how the words, because sound is frequency, they know how, how it affects mm-hmm. us. They know how to, they're so good at um, psychology and mm-hmm. how these words repeated a certain amount of times with certain music yep. and everything else affects us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. It's really all technology and understanding spirituality, linking with quantum mechanics. And when you understand those two really go together, uh, then you understand how different frequencies, different vibrations, for example, they pretty much don't play anything on the radio except for 440 hertz. That's damaging to human DNA. They know this. They're the ones who actually installed that, instilled it, and put it out there that way. Uh, The way that programming is on TV and subliminal messages that occur during different programs and things like that, the way that words are said, like you said, and also... The actual cymatic frequencies of the vocalization of specific words in specific ways will actually directly affect the water molecules in your body and cause different things to happen in your life. And they also understand that space-time itself is changeable and warpable. If You, you can actually create a ripple in space-time that will alter a future reality, and they understand this as well. So everything that they do is planned out by millennia. We're planning for what's going to happen this weekend. Like, the weekend is coming in a couple days. People are planning for the weekend. They're planning for millennia. Their plans are are so large that it escapes the perception of the average person. Yeah, and so understanding this. Now, I, I was so impressed when you said that when you were trying to understand these that you read it like 50 times and mm-hmm. so that you could just really understand what it is that you were reading. And so when you're in your book, you really help people understand it because you spent so much time breaking it down yourself. Yeah, I spent a lot of time breaking it down. I'm up to 180 reads of the Emerald Tablets of Thoth now, and I'm still planning on reading it more and more and more. I've got so much more now out of it, believe it or not, even after writing the book, because writing the book took me to another level, because while I'm writing the book, it's almost like you're researching and learning at the same time, and you're starting to make more correlations. And so now I'm coming out with a special limited edition by the summer which is going to be a 500-numbered hardcover edition with a 16th chapter added to it, uh, which is going to do another, like, a final culmination of everything uh, new. And uh, it's going to be amazing. That's going to be a very limited edition. It's going to be kind of expensive, but it'll be a very limited autographed, personalized edition that I'm going to do probably probably by the summer of 2020. But uh, there's just so much in there. And the more you read it, the more your mind just expands if you let it. Um, and it's really an amazing read, and it's amazing. And, and what what you know what makes me realize this is ancient material is because it's just too it's too far advanced for our modern era, and it's it syncs up with ancient texts from around the world, like the Mahabharata and all these other texts that are talking about these flying vehicles, these galactic wars, and all this stuff. It's really syncing with that information, and not syncing with anything in mod- what we have right now. Hey everyone, this is Billy Carson, also known as Forbidden Knowledge. If you haven't done so, please check out my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. It's currently a bestseller on Amazon.com. You can look it up, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets by Billy Carson. 
In this book, I break down the metaphysical, quantum physics, esoteric wisdom of Thoth the Atlantean. This information was written eons ago, and I've taken my time to break down all of the information in a way that everyone can understand it. So please check it out. Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. If you're into learning about the true ancient history and ancient civilizations, you have to read my book.